0: original podcast today I'm joined in the studio by the very impressive Vicky Gomez who is a three times world champion of the Flatland World Circuit. You may have already seen him defying gravity on his bike outside the Philharmonie where he has been known to practice and let's just say that we are extremely proud that the native Spaniard calls Luxembourg his home. Last time we sat down to talk about how you built your career. For those of us who are unfamiliar with the sport can you explain it to us a little bit more?
1: Well I started riding uh when i was 14 year old mm-hmm. with with a real bmx but mm-hmm. everything started maybe when i was around 8 and they show in spain the movie bmx bandits mm-hmm. with nicole kidman i don't know if you have seen it
0: no but i've heard of it yes
1: so that movie was a big hit in spain because we also there were there was a spanish brand that was making like a very affordable bmx that every kid had okay so that movie was the inspiration for all of us kids yeah. who use those bikes to in the parks. Yeah, and then is when I really got hooked by BMX. But it wasn't till fourteen when I saw in a, in a park in Madrid a lot of guys with real bikes, mm-hmm. not this kind of cheap bike, but real freestyle bikes. And then this is when I I fell in love with the sport and I started slowly with my bad BMX piece by piece. I made it better and better. By time. And this is how, that's how it started. Yeah.
0: Can you explain what the sport is? Because there's people listening who don't know what it is.
1: So it's BMX freestyle flatland. So it's a BMX bike with pegs on the wheels and Mm -hmm. we do tricks on the flat ground. And there is no limit and there are no rules. Like you can invent your own tricks and you can do whatever you want in, in the way you want to express yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. It must be hard to score a competition like that if there are no sort of rules and I'm guessing there's no points for particular tricks, right?
1: Yeah, it's very hard and it's very artistic. So it's you can never know exactly why somebody won from the outside. But when you are in into the world and you understand, you can tell the difference between what was harder and what was easier in terms of tricks Mm -hmm. and also the style and the flow so in a competition is is the the winner is the guy who has the best day Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of obvious to see
0: oh really to the people who are like in the know of the sport right yeah it's really obvious very obvious yeah yeah So last time we spoke about how you built your career and this time we really want to know the secrets to your success. What sets you apart from every other aspiring rider who has been trying for years and years to get to where you are today?
1: I think uh, when I fell in love with the sport, Mm -hmm. I never saw BMX as a future job. I just fell in love with it, and my passion was so strong. The only thing I wanted to do was to achieve, to make tricks. And I I never, ever dreamed of becoming a professional because I never thought I had the skill. But for me, having the ultimate bike and being surrounded with those friends and having that lifestyle, that was my ultimate dream. And I think... That was the difference between me and the others because the most of the people wanted to become professional from day one without knowing even if, if they have skills or not. Right. So I think that was a big part in the beginning of how you focus your mm-hmm. career. How you did, were
0: modest in the beginning, right? You weren't just thinking, right, I need to be number one.
1: Like, no, I mean, I could never even yeah. imagine that I could be number one. Yeah, but the, the priority maybe was to go step by step. And mm-hmm. first was to get a good bike and learn trick by trick. Mm-hmm. And after, of course, my mind changed it afterwards.
0: So I imagine that even though you were really modest about it, you... Um, you need that sort of laser focus though right that focus that brings you from this step to the next step because you could easily get distracted and say oh maybe I'll try another sport or maybe I'll, you know I'll go and start running or something what kept you focused on this?
1: I think at that time when I was 14 maybe as a teenager I was a bit lost and I found something that I really like So I put all my energy in it and I just wanted to ride my bike and be with those friends. Mm -hmm. That that was the only thing I wanted to do and look at the videos with the other pro riders and dream of one day becoming one of them, not in the sense of success of career, Mm -hmm. but in the sense of the way they control the bike. The dream was like, wow, I want to control my bike. Like that. Like a pro, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, at the time, did anybody tell you that it was just a hobby or did anybody say, oh, it's just a phase, you know, you'll be, you'll be interested in something else next?
1: Well, luckily, my parents gave me support. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, when I was 14, the bikes are made, from, are made in America, so they cost around 2000 euros. So they were like, no, this is too much. But if you really like it, you can go piece by piece. We will help you with this. And then they supported me in that and they allowed me to do the sport. Mm-hmm. They never say anything like, oh, it's too dangerous or you're going to get hard. They, they, they had trust in my criteria. What
0: cool parents. Yeah. yeah. Very cool parents. Yeah.
1: yeah. But they, I think they were happy that I found something so young that, mm-hmm. that was putting, uh, putting me away from, like you said, distractions.
0: True. Okay. Did you do you think that they are surprised that you've made a whole career out of it today?
1: Yeah, I think they're very surprised. <laughs> but right. it came quite early. I think so I was 14 and then my first world championships in that I won in in expert category I uh, was only 17th. So mm-hmm. it, it it took only 3 years to show like okay,
0: I can do this. This
1: yeah. is maybe something that I I am good at. Yeah.
0: Um So you were obviously, you know, you're lucky that you had really cool parents and some people listening might not have such cool parents who understand and who will support them in their passion. What advice do you have to those children or kids uh, or teenagers who are trying to convince their parents that they're serious about their dreams?
1: Well, I my parents condition was like have to study and achieve my uh, scores. Mm-hmm. like be good not be the best but be good in the in the high school at the high school so I, I worked hard for this because I knew I had to study and put effort so I can have the weekends free to ride my bike mm-hmm. so and that was very important because education is very important because if I wouldn't I didn't have the education you know when you go to the real world you need to know some things. Mm-hmm. At least the basics, you know, high school. Yeah. So so I show them like I'm I'm a good student or I was not good but enough student and then they they were happy to support me in in letting allowing me to ride and mm-hmm. travel sometimes.
0: So it's important not to let the education go just because you're getting really good, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very important. Yeah. And for instance English was so important for me True. that without English I, I wouldn't travel or did anything you know Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and what about for the parents like if you if there are parents listening to this um, who have kids who have a hobby that they want to make into a dream what advice do you give to the parents
1: well like my parents they supported me Mm -hmm. and they never expect or put any pressure on me of what do i have to become you know my my mother is has a high education as a as, uh, classic classic langu- languages, uh, uh, P- I don't know how to call it, doctorate. Oh,
0: wow, okay.
1: Yeah, and on the other hand, my dad didn't have anything. See, he comes from Chile, so when he was 16, he need to run to Argentina to run f- away from the dictatorship. So the contrast was big because my dad was like, "No, education is everything. You have to do university because you know where he comes from is everything." Mm-hmm. And I understand. In the other way, my mom was maybe more chill about it, and and I think as I I showed them I was putting focus. I, I mean, I never knew I was gonna become professional. I I thought that was my passion, my hobby, and and. I was going to do study and the hobby in the same time. Yeah. It was just in the last year of high school when I actually had to lie to them and tell them, oh, you know, like it was in March. I want to do better grades. Can I quit now and start over again next year? (laughs) And then they, "Ah, okay. But it was actually a lie because I wanted to practice for the world championships in master category. (laughs) I took all the gamble, I won. And then I told them, okay, I'm not coming back. Give me one more year before university. And then we'll see Mm -hmm. until today. (laughs) But it was a gamble. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It seems like it was quite smooth for you, you know, like each step kind of came and you jumped through each hoop. Did you ever have moments where you doubted yourself or you thought, maybe I can't do this or, you know, maybe this career is not for me? Did you ever have that doubt?
1: I, I had it for sure. But there were some guys, uh, writers in Malaga, and they were like, you know, they're very chill in the South. So mm-hmm. like, you can come here, work six hours a day mm-hmm. and earn en- enough salary to have your apartment and do your passion. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and try to go there and, and maybe I can try those jobs. But I tried them and I quit the same day. It, it was just a feeling like, okay, this is not right for yeah. me. I mean, yeah, it's six or five hours a day, but I was so exhausted after and I couldn't write. So I was like, no, I mean, there must be another way. Yeah. So I just kept on, I was a bit lost. I just kept on practicing. But of course, you know, you, you don't know. If you ever gonna get money or not from your bike, yeah. But it came kind of like a year later, when the competitions in America opened up that you can compete in ESPN and X Games, and there was a lot of money if you placed top ten. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how it started. Yeah.
0: I've seen on your social media that there that you've been featuring um, a lot of titanium BMX bikes. What's so special about these bikes? I'm so intrigued.
1: Well, if you allow me to tell you first, uh, like you said, I I went step by step, smooth in my career. Yeah. Somehow I think that having the passion and a small short term vision allowed me to attract things to my life Mm -hmm. that always came on the right time. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Like that year, I, I I was able to tell my parents I want to quit to get better grades. Then I won the championships. After that, the contest in America. After that, I got sponsored by Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Step by step, no? So the titanium thing was just another thing that came into my life because I was in Japan in January last year and already the virus was uh, there in January mm-hmm. before it came to Europe, like two, three months Yeah. Later, So everybody had the mask and they, they, were, they were already canceling events in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought, I told Alexa, who is my wife and manager, I told her maybe this year this is going to stop the traveling because of the, of the airplanes. So I asked her, what do you think we can do? And then she said, well, you always ha- are in pain in your body because your bike is so heavy. Why don't you ask Red Bull to collaborate with you and build the lightest bike in the world? And this is how it started, and then I was like, "Okay, let's let's that's an amazing project, so we can do it maybe a custom bike for me." So the the way it started is like I, cont- I went to I went online on internet, and there was a company from Barcelona who was who were doing these titanium bikes, mm-hmm. and it was in March, seven March. I was in Barcelona when I had the first meeting with that person, but I was doing shows for Red Bull. And then he came and was like, okay, I can I can give you a prototype so you can test and tell me if you like it or not. And then it was like the best thing because right after the pandemic came and everything closed down, but I, I got my ultimate bike just mm-hmm. before everything was closed. Right. And then I have one year to develop new skills with that bike. Okay. That's the story like this. Yeah. But- and then... Uh, This guy was going to close the company, he fired his partner, and then somehow we connected, and now uh, we are partners. Okay. And we have these titanium bikes. And the reason why it's so special is because a normal BMX bike weighs around 10, 12 kilos, Mm -hmm. and my bike is about 6.5. Oh, wow. So one kilo in movement could be equivalent to 10 to 16 kilos. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you remove four... Multiplied by 10, it will be already 40 kilos less effort when you do the tricks. Yeah. And of course, they're uh, way more expensive. From 1,000 euros, uh, regular standard uh, BMX bike, to my bike that costs around 5,000 euros. Wow. So it's a big change in the sport. Yeah. But we have a vision with it. What makes it special is like we can make the sport very young because now kids can have a five kilo bike when when they want to start with eight year old and also a lot of girls yeah so our goal is to change bmx and make it very young because right now it's not young i mean i'm soon 40 and a lot of guys are the youngest are 25 30 why
0: do you think that is
1: because first the bikes are so heavy yeah so you need a body that is already very strong and then and then the kids nowadays, they, they don't want to start riding with a bike that is 12 kilos yeah. when they are eight. They, yeah. can, they can't. they can I was able when I was 14 because I had a big passion. Yeah. And it was the ultimate toy in the 90s. But the kids nowadays, they don't want to put well, there's this. There's
0: other things to do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There are <laughs> things that are easier to... Um, yeah. So our vision in BMX is to change the sport. It, w- it will become a maybe more expensive sport, mm-hmm. but young... And of course, girls. Mm-hmm. And I think this is amazing because then, then, and of course, it will be people with maybe can can afford. Yeah. But that's how it was. Like I told you in the '90s, my the ultimate bike I wanted to buy was 2,000 euros. In the '90s, was a lot of money. Yeah. But uh, but then the sport was also different kind of crew. Now right now, the sport is is not the best image. Mm-hmm. There are many people not giving good image of the sport, and and that's why we need to change it. You know.
0: So during the pandemic, how can somebody have? How can somebody buy a bike? How can somebody you know see one and touch it and try it? Because it's a big investment, right? So I, they would need to see it to know. Okay, I really want this. This is right for me.
1: Well, that's hard, but we have the VikingBMX.com uh that is the web, and you can buy online now since one mm-hmm. month, and you can make your custom bike. I mean, of course, you cannot see it. It's a big investment, but people know that some pros already have titanium, so it's a matter of your choice. Mm-hmm. And slowly people are starting to change their minds, you know, but there is in BMX there are people who think like if you spend money on a bike, you're snobby and this is not cool, mm-hmm. but this is completely wrong.
0: Well, this is different, isn't it? This is changing the, your, it can change your skill, it can take your skill to the next level if it's lighter, right? I yeah,
1: exactly. The, Big the time. is
0: everything. And I think in every sport you look to lighten the tool that you're using, even in tennis, you have a titanium mm. tennis racket because right. you, you know, your, your speed, you're going to gain so much on that. So it makes sense. I don't think this is about a decorative bike. You know, it's not like a bike with Swarovski crystals on it. This is a bike where, you know, there's substance. So it makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's high performance. Yeah, That's the whole idea. And then slowly, it will we'll go around the world slowly. Mm-hmm. A lot of critics, a lot of people who don't want the BMX to change and they they say BMX should stay in the street
0: street sport right yeah, yeah.
1: but it's look at the skateboarding this is street sport but they they gathered together they took it to next level and mm-hmm. they they are in a very good position in the world now mm-hmm. so this is our vision but we know it will take some years to change
0: yeah, but it's cool to be at the front of that, right? And to yeah. be part of that movement. That's really cool. So
1: exciting, yeah. Yeah.
0: So it doesn't sound like COVID has held you back at all. Um what other ways has it changed the way that you work? Because last time when I sat down with you, you were telling me about your travel schedule and it was just crazy. You were like in a different country every 4 days. How has that changed the way that you work with brands and companies?
1: Well, a lot. <laughs> you know, when when the pandemic started, we got a call from Red Bull mm-hmm. and they said that uh, Mr. matesic the owner of Red Bull, uh, uh, took the decision to keep all the athletes, thinking that we athletes are like employees of the company, like not only sponsor. And they said, okay, in exchange, uh, we're going to keep your bonus, your salaries, everything, but in exchange, we want you to do a lot of uh, create a lot of media content where you saw that you're uh, positive progressing and inspiring people and of course drinking red bull mm-hmm. in in a very positive way so pretty much i would get a call from my athlete manager red bull every week like ah now we have a new strategy can you do this or can you do that so I learned a lot in social media during this pandemic Mm-hmm. We were filming every day, pr- riding at home my bike, like everything. So then it changed my perspective, realizing that we're going into this digital transformation where I can, I can still be super active, make super cool projects, and and reach even to more people than before than mm-hmm. traveling. Before oh, really? before I would travel, do a show for 1,000 people. True. But now the engagement with the, with the people I'm reaching is, is every post are thousands of people. So mm-hmm. and there is real engagement, you're in, in direct contact, motivating people. So for me, that digital transformation is amazing, mm-hmm. is more exciting than before.
0: Mm-hmm. It gave you another dimension to express, you know, your skills and also to reach more people, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. reach more people and motivate more people in, yeah. in, without needing to travel. Yeah. That, I mean, I like to travel, but, you know, you, you fly to Dubai for a five-minute show, you know, think about all the gasoline in the plane, everything that is consuming to reach yeah, a few hundred, mm-hmm. one thousand people.
0: And what you put your body through as well, right? Also, time yeah. zones and travelling, you know, all that, yeah.
1: And, of course, being with my daughter a full year now, mm-hmm. she's only, it's going to be three soon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this this is a golden time for me yeah. that I'm so thankful for it.
0: True, that's so, a great way to look at it, yeah. Yeah,
1: so this, I like this digital transformation. And I think digital transformation to sports is the future because if we make a competition now online, more people will watch it mm-hmm. than if we do it in in on on a place yeah that only people will gather and come as a public yeah. but now we can stream it and
0: it's accessible to more people to more
1: know. people yeah. yeah so if you
0: can't afford to travel to see the show at least you can pick up your phone and you can watch it online
1: yeah and i was bored i i love to watch sports and i was bored at home always like oh, like formula one or tennis mm-hmm. or golf but there there's there's not much we need more sports on tv to mm-hmm. to be entertained or at least sports is what i like yeah
0: yeah <laughs> So I'm just going to go back to the moment that Red Bull told you that they would keep you on. It must have been a nerve-wracking time for sports people because they could easily have said, you know, we have no budget for this, we're not going to do this. Were you worried when the pandemic started? Were you worried how it would affect your career, the finances, the exposure, um, the practice, the competitions? Were you worried about that?
1: Well... I was worried in the sense that, um, let's say, Red Bull called us and said we need to cut all the athletes in the world. Uh, no, but I was not worried because I was able to change. So I was able to, to show my human side in my social media, mm-hmm. the way I cook, the way I hang out, the way I am riding with my bike, small tips, we did podcasts, you know. And some other athletes could not do that transformation. And many didn't renew this year because they didn't do what they were asked for.
0: They didn't adapt.
1: They didn't adapt. And for me, the adaptation was even more interesting. I had my new bike. I was learning new tricks. I had a lot to share. Mm -hmm. One of my best friends in Luxembourg who loves filming just as a passion was like, okay, we can go and film. And we have all the places in Luxembourg with the good weather empty for us mm-hmm. so yeah it was it was super we had a super cool year you
0: made some cool memories in that year right yeah. yeah you spent time with your daughter and then you filmed things for your social media i feel like you really thrived in the opportunity to change and adapt right
1: yeah yeah and i was like i said i traveled my whole life mm-hmm. so not traveling was also like a, a needed rest for my body you know yeah going into routines that i never had for 20 years I've
0: seen in passing that you've been working on several campaigns and one that caught my eye was the anti-bullying campaign. How does what you do tie in with anti-bullying?
1: Well, you know, I see a lot of the teenagers and kids suffering from bullying, you know, and, and I, my, I won't always want to give a message to, to the kids that they this should not be allowed nowadays. You know, we should not allow anybody treating bad to anybody and we should make it public and, and protest because, you know, people are suffering for real and they keep it quiet. I was not bullied at school, luckily, but I saw people that were and it's, it's very sad, you know, mm. and, and, you know, when you have a daughter, you don't want your daughter to go through this so you want to at least try to encourage and tell everybody that they're beautiful the way they are Mm -hmm. and they have a potential and they need to find it and they will find happiness in that
0: What is the campaign?
1: Well the campaign we are working on it right now Mm -hmm. but probably maybe if we manage to do some uh, conferences at the schools Mm -hmm. just one of the things for instance that Many writers told me around the world, it's like, oh, wow, you are world champion, but you still came and say hello to us, you know, Mm -hmm. you're humble. And I think this is very important because, you know, everybody, we all are persons. doesn't matter what your profession is. There is not first and second class citizens Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. And this is the message I want to give first. Yeah.
0: Really Nice. Um, I'm not gonna let you go without trying to get more secrets from you. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a special ritual or superstition that you have before each competition?
1: I used to have a lot before um, usually the in the latest years was like I need to have a really nice dinner before the, <laughs> the, the, the It would usually find us on Sunday. Yeah, so Saturday will be like a very nice dinner almost. This is
0: such a convenient um, ritual, you know, something <laughs> so nice. Like you have to take a bath, you have to have a nice meal.
1: <laughs> yeah, just to disconnect. And okay. th- and like they say, when if you dine well, you think well, no? Oh, So that, that expression was always before the finals, have a nice dinner, go to sleep, like very chill mood. And then next day you will wake up fresh, fresh, yeah, yeah. Usually that was a ritual, but yeah. besides that, not not many. I don't, I tried not to be superstitious. Okay, yeah. But yeah. a
0: lot of sports people do become quite superstitious, don't they? Like the, the, the right pair of underwear or, you know, the right t-shirt, or even when they're watching a game, they have to be wearing the right t-shirt. You never got sucked into that.
1: Nah, not really. I, I used to like the red colour in underwear. Yeah. Because I know it brings luck. yeah. But it didn't work always.
0: <laughs> so it's better not to be too attached to
1: it. Yeah, yeah.
0: If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing?
1: Um, you know, before, uh, well, I mean, before becoming a professional, one thing I always liked since I was very young was uh, I, I like to read a lot of books of is philosophy or more like meditations from different uh, geniuses around the world. Like my mom. Is, was a professor of classic Greek and Latin, mm-hmm. so I had a lot of books of those uh, Greek and Roman philosophers. So I used to read that and I was very interested on these psychology and phil- philosophies and maybe it's one of the things that I always kept on reading different books mm-hmm. about Buddha or the Tao or the For way me. we
0: live right the way, yeah. Yeah, the way we live the way to live
1: yeah yeah so this is uh, I was very always interested e- even today is, yeah I would say is my second hobby or the way I learn kind of wisdom that I try to apply to my bike mm-hmm. to my lifestyle yeah mm-hmm. so this is maybe I, w- I would be doing something like this but I think you can pretty much be a teacher of this or if you do a career yeah or write a book or yeah. something like this yeah, yeah.
0: um do you have plans to retire uh, or do something else?
1: Well, now that we have the titanium bikes project, mm. this is this is something that I see myself doing in the future because, you know, if we can help the to change the sport, you know, I want to be in the front of that change and helping the new generations. Mm-hmm. Maybe giving them advices as an athlete manager or or you know organizing competitions or you know whatever it takes to make our sport uh, change our sport in the new direction that we we want cool and of course maybe working also together with red bull yeah because i have been 18 years in the company so i think i can advise to new athletes to join from different sports yeah in, in just advices about personality and how to keep a long career mm-hmm. and the motivation maybe this is I could be helpful in that yeah. I think yeah. it sounds
0: like there's no limit you know even if you, you feel like your body can't do it anymore it sounds like there's no limit to which direction you can go and within this um, field
1: yeah I think so yeah. but now that the bike is lighter yeah it gave me more years <laughs> <laughs> so it's I still want to ride some more years and yeah. afterwards we'll see. But I'm, I'm sure if you work hard, something will, will come, come up, like always, yeah.
0: How cool is that, that there is a product that is giving you more years um, in the sport that you love so much, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not only for the young, but it's also for the ones who are older that yeah. we can extend our career. Yeah. I used to have a lot of injuries in my like tendinitis and stuff and everything has gone away. Okay. So physically, I feel better now than when I was twenty, mm-hmm. which is crazy. No, That's but great to hear. Yeah, happy for us. <laughs>
0: yeah. So finally, can you share with us the best piece of advice that you've ever been given?
1: Best piece of advice, mm-hmm. um, career-wise, or
0: it can be any, just something that you that stayed with you, you know, that you, that you remember and uh, has really helped you in your life.
1: I think one thing that maybe uh, was the best lesson and it took me many years to understand the lesson and I thought I was not doing it right, mm. was like, um, I always thought that I was living my life always uh, in a f- very freestyle way. Not planning, just taking what comes, you know, and I always thought, you know, everybody, it seems like everybody have a plan figured out and I don't. And I always felt like I think I'm behind. But actually, I realized that life is in a constant change. And if I live also in a constant change and open for those changes, I'm, let's say, more connected to my nature. And this way, I can be more successful. So the best advice is like plan not to plan. Cool. (laughs) And that was the best advice to remember that I'm not stressed, like, oh, what am I going to do in yeah. two years, three years? No, like, work hard now. This is your present and things will come to you. This because is... it's
0: easy to compare yourself to other people where it looks from the outside that there's a set path, they're jumping through all the hoops, you know, where yeah. it looks really clear to them. So that's a really good piece of advice. I'm sure there's many people that that will resonate with.
1: It sounds the opposite of what you're told. yeah And one of the reasons why I succeeded is was because I was... I don't have a plan and a strategy in my in my writing. I do many tricks. So when I went to a contest, everybody had the tricks, figured out what they're going to do. But I didn't. And I was always thinking this is bad. But I turned it in the other way. So I will do the tricks that feel good mm-hmm. in, in that kind of environment. And that's how I ended up winning many contests. Because somehow I adapt. I didn't have a plan and I made a plan and it worked. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I always thought that that was wrong, but actually it was the right thing to do.
0: How cool is that? Thank you so much for coming (laughs) here
1: today.
0: Um, I feel like we know you are better now and I feel like we know how you got successful. You know, it makes sense. And, you know, I'm so, so pleased that Luxembourg is your home. And I think (laughs) Luxembourg is super proud of you. And I know that you know that. Are you a native now? Uh, Did you get the nationality yet? (laughs)
1: Oh, no, actually, uh, our sport will not go to the Olympics in 2024. Okay. So that was one of the biggest motivations. But yeah. now um, I will not apply for it. Right. I will, I will keep been
0: you'll be an honorary luxembourg yeah
1: yeah which right. is also part of it here yeah no? <laughs> yeah well
0: thank you so much for coming in today and thank you. if anybody wants to check out more information your website is www.vickygomez.com
1: that's right yeah. and
0: for the bikes you head on over to Viking.
1: vikingbmx.com there we
0: go um so thank you for tuning in and join me next time uh, as we sit down with someone else to discuss how they got there thank you for listening